going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer this morning. Father God, we just continue in that spirit of worship. God, we thank you so much that you are the cornerstone. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to be the centerpiece of everything that you were doing in redeeming God, in redeeming yourself and mankind. And we thank you so much for Jesus this morning. In whom we find our salvation. God, we thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross. And God, we thank you for the resurrection from the dead. We thank you so much for that. And I want to pray this morning for everyone who walked in here today. God, I pray that you would meet them personally, that your Holy Spirit would meet them wherever they are. God, I pray for those who walked in with joy, that you would meet them uh, where they are. Those who walked in with sadness, I pray that you would meet them where they are. If they walked in with anxiety or fear or concern or worry, I pray that you would meet them where they are, that you would encourage today where we need to be encouraged, that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. And God, for those who may have walked in these doors today who don't know you as their Savior, I pray that you would do an amazing work today in their life. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. And we also just want to ask for you to do a work in our country, in our world. There's so much strife, so much division, so many things that can cause concern, so many things that we are so confused by. And God, I pray for wisdom for our leaders, not just nationally, not just around the world, but also in our states and in our communities. God, I pray that you would impart wisdom and that our leaders would look to you for wisdom. God, give each one of us clarity on what we're supposed to make of the confusing world around us. And I pray that each one of us in this room would use wisdom that comes from your word. God, that we would every day seek you out for the wisdom that it takes to live this life in this chaotic world. And I pray that you would just be pleased and glorified and your name would be lifted up by everything that takes place here over these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen, amen. Hey, uh, good morning. My name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here. Um, someone said to me on the way I was up here, they said, wow, it must be a lot of people who are like have a lot of sin because church is full this morning. And I said, well, I have a feeling being a, a long-term Atlanta Falcons fan that it probably has to do with there's a lot of New England Patriot fans in here. All right. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that, should I? Go Falcons. Anyway, that's next week. All right. Man, I tried to get through a weekend without saying it. I tried. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit today. But um, as we end this series, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 7 and 1 Kings chapter 11 as we really draw a conclusion to this short series that we've been in these last few weeks. Hashtag wisdom. We've been really taking a look at the life of the third king of the nation of Israel, and uh, his name was Solomon, the son of King David, uh, who most of you, even if you weren't in church, raised in church, you probably know a little bit about David at least, and you may have heard of Solomon, maybe know a little bit about Solomon, but uh, we are looking at uh, King Solomon's life and really taking into consideration three major markers in his life. And I don't say highlights, because the one that we're going to look at today, this marker that we're going to look at in his life, it's not much of a highlight. This is not what he would want, you know, listed like, in, you know, as, as a marker in his life. Uh, it, it really was a point 
uh, of struggle. And so today we're going to be finishing that up. We're going to be taking a look at this last part of his, his life. And so today, um, just to, to kind of get us started, I wanted to begin uh, just reviewing really these past few weeks, just very briefly. In week one, we looked at Solomon's coronation. And, and he was crowned as king, and what he asked for from God was wisdom, and he received it. And the lesson that you and I can learn is, is that we can ask God for wisdom. In fact, that's really where wisdom comes from, is from God. So we should ask for God. In fact, in the middle of making decisions, we need to stop, we need to ask, and then act. And so often we get that out of order. That's what we learned from Solomon in, in week one. Secondly, last week we learned through his success, his fame, fortune, and his success that um, he built the temple of God. Um, God went in the nation of Israel from, from dwelling in a tabernacle, a tent, to a temple. And Solomon had this great, incredibly uh, like honoring opportunity to build the temple of God. And he did it, and we see that in, in Kings and Chronicles. You can read that in Kings and Chronicles, kind of the first part of both of those books. And so he built the temple of God. And what we learned last week is, is that wisdom, if we use wisdom for our own like personal gain, if we use it just for our personal gain, that really, that really is just seeking out our own success. And Solomon gave us a great example of using God's wisdom for God's purpose. And for his plan. And so we saw that last week. And so today we're going to be taking a look at this idea of finishing strong and finishing well with our lives. But I got to tell you, it applies to, to you know, those of you all across the, the demographic and age range in here. I mean, if you're, if you're like in middle school or if you're, you're an elementary age child or if you're, you know, in your early 20s like I am, um, or if you're... In you, that was a joke. I'm not, I just lied in church, so I'm not in my early 20s. If you're in your 40s like I am, or if you're in your 80s, um, it doesn't matter because uh, wisdom is something that you and I should seek out on a daily basis. In fact, that's our first point this morning, is asking God for wisdom is, in fact, as we learned in week one, a daily decision. But I want you to capture this. This will be on the screens here in a moment. Practicing wisdom daily... Practicing wisdom daily is a decision that really should be for a lifetime. Like we should be seeking God out daily for the whole of our lives. Not just during periods of time when we have big decisions to make, although that's important. It's not just during periods of time when like we're struggling, although that's important. But we should have a lifetime of seeking daily the wisdom that comes from God. And Solomon wrote about this, I think, in, in Proverbs chapter 7. Take a look here in Proverbs chapter 7. We'll, we'll kind of skip around here. He often, and let me just tell you something about wisdom that he does. Uh, first and foremost, um, he often, in wisdom, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, tells us what to stay away from. It's a word of warning, a caution, uh, you know, cautionary tale of what to stay away from. And, and often, what we're supposed to stay away from, he compares to um, you know, an, an adulterous woman. And, and that's because he's really writing to his son in most cases. But ladies, I also want you to know, that, um, and men too, that he also personifies wisdom, personifies wisdom. And every time he personifies wisdom, um, wisdom is her and she. It's female. <laughs> So men, 
just take that, you know, as it is. Okay, all right, you can take that and run with it, and ladies, you can too. That'll be fun over lunch today. It's always a woman, okay? So anyway, all right, let's check this out. Verse, verse chapter 1, okay? Um, and, and, and here we go. My son, he says, keep my words. Keep my words. Treasure and treasure up my commandments with you. And then he says that word again, keep my commandments and live Guard or keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. So three times now, just in two verses, what word does he use? Keep. Keep my commandments. And then he says, bind them on your fingers in verse 3. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you're my relative. I love that. Yeah, call, call insight my intimate friend. Another translation says, um, in verse 5, he says this, to keep you from the forbidden women, woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, you see here Solomon encouraging us to keep wisdom, meaning to hold on to it, to keep it deep in our hearts, to hide it in our lives, to let it be that thing that lasts us a lifetime. It stays with us for the whole of our lives. Let's skip down uh, to verse 24. Check this out. And now, he says, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death, not following wisdom, not following the path of wisdom will lead to death. And so we, we clearly see that asking God is a, is, a, is a daily decision, but practicing, or asking God for wisdom is a daily decision, but, but truly practicing wisdom is a decision for a lifetime. But so often we see this, um, this kind of trajectory of spiritual lives that often as 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 the person gets older, unfortunately, the spiritual trajectory kind of goes down. And I love this idea of a trajectory. I've used an illustration before, and a lot of pastors have. In fact, the first person I heard it from was a guy by the name of Mike Lynch. And he's the lead pastor of uh, the church that Cynthia and I really started uh, started in our early in our ministry days being a part of a new church that started. And they're celebrating today, right now, in Kennesaw, Ackworth, in Ackworth, Georgia, just a little bit north of, of Atlanta. They're celebrating 20 years as a church today, which is awesome. And so, Mike, absolutely, give it up for them, man. I'll let him know you guys clap for that. That was awesome. And so uh, Mike, uh, Mike explained this one day, and I loved this, and I was growing in my faith in, in a big way during this time, and he said, you know, um, your spiritual growth is a little bit like you're on a continuum. And if that is pursuing God, and this is running away from God, um, all of us, no matter where we are, we're either we're doing one thing or another. We're either striving after God, or we're, we're going away from God. We're going away from him. But I love the idea, and I love the idea of the continuum, but I love also the idea of trajectory. Because trajectory takes into account the ups and downs of life. It's a little, little more messy. It's not quite as like, you know, linear. But, man, so often we see a trajectory of someone that as they get older, unfortunately, their trajectory begins to even go down. But that's not what we're supposed to do, right? The world tells us that as we get older, we get what? wiser, right? 
as you, as you grow older, as you get you know, older from your 20s to 30s, you're, when you're in your 30s, you're older and wiser than you were in your 20s. And if you're in your 40s like I am, you're so much more wise than you were in your, in your early in your 30s. And so we're supposed to become older and wiser, but we often see, or maybe you've experienced in your own life, that your spiritual trajectory as you've gotten older actually begins to fall down and not go up. And God intends for us and for our spiritual trajectory to be up like a rocket escaping the atmosphere, that pull and gravity of earth. That's his intent for us. But often we live our lives and as time goes on, we get a little comfortable. We get a little bit like dismissive. We get a little bit maybe just kind of ignorant of things going on around us that are spiritual in nature, and we begin maybe just slowly to, to kind of ease away from wisdom, and all of a sudden the trajectory of our lives spiritually begins to go down. That's what we see with Solomon here. Uh, my dad was famous. I'm sure you probably had a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or whoever was famous for saying these words. My dad would say to, to me this often. He'd say, son, uh, do as I say, not as I do okay yeah you guys got that one too and so um and i i really promised myself i'd never say that as a parent and not only do i say it but often i represent it to my kids you know what i mean parents like i, I might do something or not do something or say something or not say something or make a decision or not make a decision that i would never want my kids to to say or do or, or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, I'm just right there in with that whole idea of do what I say, not as I do. And I think we see here in Solomon's life that he was inspired by God's Holy Spirit to, to write these words that we just read in Proverbs. Yet what happened towards the end of his life is kind of a, a cautionary tale, if you will. And, and we're going to take a look at how um, Solomon like had this progression away from wisdom, but that's not what God's intent is. In fact, I want you to hear this. I believe that God's intent for the progression of wisdom is this, that the wisdom of God leads us to obedience to God, and that obedience to God leads us to intimacy with God, and then intimacy with God leads us to being used by and up to this point in Solomon's life, we see that. We see him seeking out wisdom, seeking out this intimate relationship with God. And then in the temple, we see him being used by God and for God's glory. And we come towards the end, at least the second third or the last third of his life. And we see in that last third of his life that he begins to get away from that progression. And the reason that he gets away from that progression is because he begins to compromise his values. And he begins to compromise what he knows is right. You see, Solomon, Solomon compromised his godly obedience by allowing his weaknesses to be exposed. Solomon compromised his godly obedience by allowing his weaknesses to begin to be exposed. And we see this so clearly in 1 Kings chapter 11. Take a look with me if you would. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 here. Now, King Solomon, he loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations, listen to this part in verse 2, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, he said, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. 
And Solomon clung to these in love. He was seduced by these women who he began to marry and to bring into him because he wanted to establish partnerships with these other nations to help build the temple. You see, he compromised. He said, I'm doing a great thing for God, and I'm going to go about it in my way. And he began to compromise, and he began to compromise more and more and more and more. And he let the thing in his life that was a weakness for him, and that is women... In his life, multiple women. In fact, let's keep on reading here. Verse 3, he had 700 wives. Men, 700 wives. You're doubting his wisdom, aren't you, guys, right now? Sorry, ladies, it's true. Okay, who were princesses? They were not only were they wives, they were princesses too. Okay, I think that's funny. Anyway, and 300 concubines. He was out of control, Right? Let's face it, it was, right? I better not say any more than that because I'll dig a grave for myself. So anyway, and his wives turned away his heart. His wives turned away his heart. Verse 4, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Here's the first mention of David in this passage. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. Here's the second mention of his father, David. Now, hang on just a second. David wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, was he? David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then even more than that sent her husband Uriah to the front of the battlefield and essentially had him killed. So this was an adulterer and a murderer. And God is essentially saying that your heart is not right like your father David was. And oh man, there's just so much in there. I mean, it tells us something about David and that is, is that his heart, even though his behavior was wrong, his behavior was sinful, it was against everything that God talks about in, in so many different ways, his heart was still passionate towards God. But as a friend of mine, Jerry, who's in here, a, a pastor a friend of mine who's a part of our church, said a few weeks ago in our roots on Wednesday night, he said, I think that tells us so much more about God than it does David. And here's what God's interested in. I want you to hear this. God is interested in your heart more than he's interested in your behavior. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. You see, for Solomon... His heart wasn't in sync with anything in his life at this point in his life. And he began to turn away from God. In fact, just kind of finishing up this, this passage we see here, he, he then built a high place for uh, uh, Chemish, the abomination of Moab, and for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all of his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. This is a man who built the temple for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. And then all of a sudden, because of compromise after compromise after compromise, he probably didn't even see it coming. All of a sudden, he was doing the work of other gods. Compromise. 
And so Solomon compromises godly obedience by allowing his weaknesses to be exposed. And before we kind of like scoff and think, well, you know, man, he and David were, they were just kind of a hot mess. Um, we can get there real quickly, every single one of us, myself included. And I would take a guess that some of you have been there and some of you have been dangerously close. And I'm not talking about turning your, your eyes against God and serving other gods, but I'm talking about turning your heart against the wisdom of God. And what follows is then you turn your heart against the obedience of God and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you're not even being used by God at all. And i got to tell you, I've been real close to that point as well. None of us are immune. None of us are immune to begin down the slippery path of turning our heart against God. See, even people, even people like Solomon and David of great faith and spiritual strength, they have weaknesses and vulnerabilities that need protecting and God understands that about you. He understands the exact thing that you struggle with. And he was so passionate about you and about me staying, having our hearts stay strong for the Lord that he, he had Paul, uh, Paul, this man who wrote all these letters to these different churches, write this letter to the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, here's what we have. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because we can't do it by ourselves, can we? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Man, I needed to hear this this week. But against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You think we're there? I think we're there. I think the Ephesians were there. But I think we're there tenfold or a hundredfold. And having done all that to stand firm. Because listen, Christ follower, if you're here today, you can't do it by yourself. You will leave yourself vulnerable. I will leave myself vulnerable if we think that we can abandon the wisdom of God and stand strong by ourselves. We cannot do it. Just like we sang a few minutes ago that we find ourselves righteous, not by anything we've done, but we're righteous in Christ. We also can stand firm in Christ. And we can stand on the principles and the wisdom that he gives us. Even people of great faith and spiritual strength have weaknesses and vulnerabilities that need protecting. Steve Farrar wrote a book for men called Finishing Strong. And then he went on, um, as authors often do, with a successful book. And he wrote a few other books that kind of go along with it. It's excellent. I, I recommend it. Even it, It's not just a, a book for men. It's a book for anyone, really. But he says this. He says, the very gates of hell cannot make us stumble unless we choose to remove ourselves from his protection and from his power. I needed to hear that this week, too. I don't know about you. When we remove ourselves from his protection and his power, we have to face the consequences of turning our backs on him and turning our backs on the wisdom that he provides we see this in Solomon's life. <laughs> we don't like to face this. But God's response to Solomon's compromise resulted in a divided nation. The results of 
him pursuing these other gods is not good. It's not the thing that God wanted. Check out 1 Kings 9 through 13, 11, 9 through 13. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. And we don't like to talk about God's anger. I, I don't. But he was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God was about ready to appear to him a third time, and it wouldn't be so gentle this time around. And he had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the result is that the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes that I've commanded you, I'll surely tear the kingdom from you and I'll give it to your servant. And so we see at this moment that a united Israel that had been united under King Saul and under King David and for all of Solomon's reign, once Solomon was gone, was going to be split into two because Solomon chose. I want you to hear that. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. He chose to compromise and to begin to walk away from the wisdom of God. Listen, I, I want you to hear this because I've had to face it. I know many of you have had to face this too. But the reality is, is that we, we want to blame God for our circumstances. God is for you. He is for you. But if, if you walk away from his wisdom and his commands and, the, and, and following him, just like Solomon and just like the whole nation of Israel, um, you and I will have to just face the consequences of turning our heart against God. See, becoming a follower of God is absolutely unconditional. It absolutely is unconditional. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the, say that next word with me, but the what? Free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Becoming a follower of God is unconditional, but wisdom is conditional. There's a premise and there's a promise. There's a premise and there's a promise. And if we walk away from those premises, then we're walking away from God. And we have to face the consequences. And in some cases, and I realize there are certain cases in here that represent you, that you had no choice in. And, and, and whatever you're going through or whatever you have gone through is forced upon you. I realize that, that there are some cases. But so much of what we deal with in life that is so difficult and so hard is if you're a Christ follower in here, it's because we turn our back against God. And we have to go through the consequences. The good news is that while following God, so wisdom is conditional. God is always waiting to receive us back, isn't he? He's always waiting for us to come back to that point where we do follow what he says. That we do get in line with his wisdom. And my, my encouragement to you today and my encouragement to, to all of us who, who, are, who are in here is that we should carefully consider the potential consequences of ignoring God's wisdom. Because we are the ones that walk outside of God's protection when we walk away from his wisdom. And that's what Solomon did. And that's what we do when our trajectory begins to go down. Sometimes we forget God's wisdom. It's still a lack of wisdom. Sometimes we dismiss God's wisdom. It's still a lack of wisdom. Sometimes we ignore God's wisdom. We just flat out ignore it. We want to do our own thing. But it is all a lack of wisdom. My encouragement to you today 
is don't trade a lifetime of following wisdom for just a moment of pleasure and weakness or pride. Don't trade that in. Whether you're in your teens and your lifetime has not been that long, or whether you're in your 40s and your lifetime is halfway through, sorry, I've had to face that through the last few years, or if you're in your 80s and you look back and there's been a long lifetime, don't let a moment of pleasure or weakness or pride begin to expose that area of weakness. Here's your action step today. I want you to be able to take something home. So I want you to ask God to reveal an area or areas in your life where you are vulnerable, where you have potential compromise. Ask for his strength and protection and wisdom to stand strong even in those areas. There's a story about the um, Indian warriors, and they're called Braves. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. That's where that comes from. <laughs> I love it. Atlanta sports. I'm so proud. Anyway, Braves are called brave because that's what they're supposed to be, right? It's not that hard to figure out the, the word. And these young Braves, when they're 13 years old, they're blindfolded and they're sent out in the middle of the woods. And as it gets dark, they're instructed to, after, after it gets dark and they can see that it's dark, to remove their blindfold. And as they remove their blindfold, they're out in the middle of nowhere in the pitch dark. And all of a sudden, they become fearful because they can't see anything around them. And their instructions are to stand out there in the middle of the woods. And as the night goes on, they hear the snap of a branch or a twig. They hear the rustle of a group of leaves or some bushes somewhere. And all of a sudden, fear really sets in, right? I mean, it really sets in. And throughout the night, they hear all this rustling around them. And in their mind, most of the time, these young braves are thinking of all the danger that's around them. And as light begins to shine the next morning, they, they see off in the distance a man with a bow and an arrow, and as it gets lighter and lighter, they realize that the man standing there with the bow and arrow is their father. He's there to protect them and to help them be brave in their time of greatest fear. And for some of you, following God's wisdom is going to require you to make a choice that is going to cause you to have to be courageous. It may, students, cause you to have to stand up against something that is like really nearly impossible to stand up against. But God may call you to stand up against it anyway. Husbands and dads, it may, it may call you to stand strong for something that's going on in your family because your family deserves it and your wife deserves it and your kids deserve it. Leaders in business and in schools... It may mean that like, you're doing something that is so counter the politics of the, what's going on in your business or in your you know, educational environment or in, in your industry, but God has called you to stand strong because it's his wisdom. Oh, if Solomon had only stood strong, he would have been the wise, the great and wise Solomon who lived his life finishing well. Let's not let the enemy, get to our Achilles heel. Let's stand strong. Let's be courageous and let's be brave. Father God, I pray that you would help each one of us who are in here today and we call ourselves Christ followers. God, I pray that you would help 
each one of us, myself included, to stand strong, to seek out your wisdom, but to never give up doing that. To absolutely live our lives every day seeking out what the wise thing to do is in our lives. God, whether it's small things or monumental decisions, help us to stand firm and to stand strong, to seek out your protection, knowing that you are there for us. And God, I pray for those who are here, who are Christ followers and have been for a long period of time. And there's something in their life that they know that um, God's wisdom, your wisdom is calling them to do something different than they're currently doing. I pray for the courage and the bravery to stand strong and to follow in that wisdom and to stand up against the evil one, not in their strength, but in your strength. And God, I pray for those who have compromised to know that you're waiting for them with open arms. And yes, they may have to they may have to survive some of the consequences of not following your wisdom. But you're there. You're there ready to receive them back, ready to help them through, ready to pluck them out of certain situations if they'll only turn their hearts back to you, make our hearts pliable for you, make us brave, make us strong followers of you. And I want to pray right now, Father God, for those who may have walked in here today and all of this is new and it's unfamiliar and it might even seem a little weird this whole Jesus thing this whole God and Bible Christianity thing and I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would do a work in their life that you would draw them to the point where they say yes to you and they realize that they, they're a sinner and they have faults and failures and that the only way to heaven is through your son Jesus because you sent him here to die for our sins and to rise again so that we can have eternal life in heaven with you when we die. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I, I want to invite you and I'm pleading with you to do that today. Do it right now. So that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt when your day comes <laughs> that you will be with him in heaven. The Bible says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Jesus says is Lord and that he, he died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And if you're here today, I just want to give you the opportunity in, in your own way to ask him for salvation, to put your future for eternity in his hands and begin that path to wisdom. If you're here and you've never done that, um, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud and you can just follow along with me. You don't even have to say the exact same words I do. God knows your heart. It's really what it's about. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. And today, I put my trust in you for salvation. If you prayed that, just that really simple prayer in here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. There's a lot of a lot of folks in here today, so I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up or embarrass you, I promise you that. Um, but I just want to pray for you, so would you raise your hand if you prayed that prayer along with me? Awesome. awesome. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Just raise your hand, please. Man, if you, if you prayed that prayer or something like it today, if you made that decision to become a Christ follower today, man, I am so excited for you. 
And I want to encourage you to fill out the bottom of that worship folder. Let me know your name and your information. Take that up to our guest service desk where Mike and Jeanette Davis are after the service is over. They want to give you a Bible, and I want to follow up with you and, and pray with you and pray for you. Okay, so please let me know your name and information. God, I just thank you so much for the life of Solomon, all the good and the bad, the highlights and the lowlights. God, I, I just pray that you would raise up a bunch of people from Hilton Head Island Community Church who finish strong in terms of following your wisdom for our lives. May we do it with the right motive. May we do it every day, but may we do it for a lifetime. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.